You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, Melissa. Hey, Elisa. How are you doing today? I'm excited. I'm excited. Why are you excited? Tell us why. Because we have a special guest. We do? We do. There's a boy in the house. (gasps) Boy, state your name, please. I feel like I have to apologize on behalf of all boys. (laughs) You know, I've spent my entire life teaching my daughter that boys are terrible. Oh, that's Um, not true. You you want a Uh, son-in-law one day. Yeah, Mm. when she's 40. When she's she's 40. 40. And that, listeners, if you don't recognize the voice, is Scott Wilsey. Welcome, Scott. Welcome. Welcome to the geekiest show ever. We think you belong here. It's been a long time since I've talked with you guys. I know. I know. And for listeners who are not familiar with you, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself? Oh, a little bit about myself. Let's see. I know. He just loves this. Yeah. Um, I've done a lot of podcasts starting in, I actually started in 2005, but you've never heard of any of them because... Oh, yes, I have. Well, you have, but most <laughs> people haven't. <laughs> Um, the biggest one I did, the one that mo- the mo- most people will know, not a lot of people, but the most people would know would be Pocket Size Podcast. I still and love the theme that's... and I still sing it sometimes to myself. Do you yeah, have a good recording? Do you have a proper recording of that? I can give it to you if you I want. I don't think so, but I used to love listening to Siri go, oh no. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I, l- remind me, I'll upload it with the, with the recording of this and you can have that. Oh, good. I have stickers. He gave me stickers. I have stickers. Do you have stickers? Yeah. No, I don't have stickers. <laughs> You want stickers? I would love stickers. Okay. Do you still have stickers left? I got That's plenty of stickers. Funny. That's funny. And not That's only great. that, I can make more. I have upgraded oh. my life. I can print my own stickers now. Nice. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, so I did that. I've done different podcasts with different people. Um, Pocket Size Podcast had a, a rotating series of ho- co-hosts. It was uh, Peter Nicolaitis, who's still a uh, great friend of mine. Um Vic Hudson, who I now do um, bubble sort with, in in addition to Clay Daly, mm-hmm. uh, he was on it for a while. I had Ronnie Lutz was on it for a while, and then uh, the last host was uh, Andy Nicolades, not Nicolaitis. They're not brothers. One's get British, out. There's two different ones. Oh, I was yeah. It's spelled differently and all that, but one, Peter is Nicolaitis, and and Andy is Nicolades. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then I finally, I terminated it again for the second time, finally. <laughs> what about Rabbit Hole? Are you still doing that? I keep, I keep refreshing it once in a while. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. I, I suggested to Vic that we kill Rabbit Hole because really all Rabbit Hole is is bubble sort without a comprehensive list of show notes top for topics. It reminded me of, it reminded me of Pocket Size, too. But I, I, don't, I think the fact that it doesn't, we don't... Well, like we only do bubble sort once every two weeks at the most, and usually it's once a month. Mm-hmm. In fact, I looked at our average, and it was like just over one once a month. It was mm-hmm. once a month plus an extra episode. Yeah. So that doesn't leave a lot of time for doing any rabbit holes. And yeah. so I, I kind of tossed out there that we might get rid of rabbit hole. He he really didn't okay. want to. He's kind mm-hmm. of a podcast hoarder. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but. We all? Anyway, yeah, technically, yes, we're still doing it, but it seems, I, I don't know, it's going to be an annual thing, because we also have TV shows we want to talk about for Bubble Sort TV, and then we just started the movie night that we've been talking about for a long time by doing Christmas Vacation, that was Vic and I, 
So, yeah, we're, that's we're how our biting off is. more than we can chew. Yeah, that's why we just kind of anything goes as long as it's geeky. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's about that. That's all. So we wanted to have Scott on today because if you've listened to the previous episode and, and any other episodes, I, I'm always hinting at I want to figure out how to automate things a little bit more. And uh, last episode, I, I hinted at that I really was looking for a way to automate uh, saving and ex- exporting the reminders that I have set up because I, I kind of live in reminders. So we decided to have Scott on because I know I've heard you talk about shortcuts and stuff in, in the past. And I thought, I think uh, shortcuts with Scott would be a, a good topic to have. So uh, we decided to invite Scott on to talk about that and among whatever else comes to mind and as we talk about that. But he's going to walk us through some shortcuts today. Yeah, so I thought about that and I made a, this morning I sat down and made a real quick shortcut and I actually would have done this differently if I had thought about it longer. But uh, basically I made a reminders backup shortcut that uses an app called Data Jar to store the reminders in. Now, all Data Jar is, it's in the iOS app store and it runs yeah, on. I'm going to go download it right now while you're talking about it. Yeah, and it runs on iPhone and iPad. And basically, and Elise and I are going to follow along on our iPads. And tell us again, what is the purpose of Data Jar? Data Jar is literally just a UI and shortcuts interface for okay. data that gets stored in JSON format. Okay. And JSON is nothing more than text files with a specific format. It's <laughs> there's it's a standard. It's a very simple format. It's a dictionary format. In other words, each piece of information will have a key. To, to reference it by and then a value, right? Mm-hmm. So if you search for a specific key, you're going to get the value for that key back. And so Data Jar is basically not only an iOS app that serves as a UI to that data and shows it to you in a visual form instead of the raw JSON, which is nothing more than text in a specific format, but it also interfaces with shortcuts. You can call it from shortcuts. You can grab data from it from shortcuts and you can send data to it from shortcuts. Mm -hmm. And when you're in the shortcut side of things, you're gonna be working with dictionary objects. And then in data jar, it's actually looking at those dictionaries as JSON objects. And in fact, if you take- It's like a translator of some sort. Well, sort of, except that in shortcuts, if you create a dictionary and then you Mm -hmm. stick a quick look action after it, it shows it to you in a JSON format. So. Shortcuts is also doing that with its own dictionaries as well. Now, I'm at the part where you told us, you gave us a screenshot. So just for listeners who are trying to follow along a little bit, um, and we'll review some of the stuff later. But I'm at the part where it says reminders, uh, backup can't be open because I'm trying to open that one that you that you shared with us. Um, uh-huh. It says the shortcut cannot be open because your shortcut security settings don't allow untrusted right. shortcuts. But then you yep. gave us instructions for how to get around that. Yeah, so, so basically, um, in settings, in your settings app on your iOS device, mm-hmm. if you go to shortcuts, got it. And then there's uh-huh. an option there for allow untrusted shortcuts. And if you can't enable that. Right, right, exactly. So mine is grayed out. Right, so now you, go back to, now you go back to mm-hmm. shortcuts and you run any shortcut. Okay. I see that. Don't ask me why, but I know it. When you said song and dance, that's exactly what this is. It's Mm -hmm. a very good way to describe it. Yeah, it's weird. I'm going to go into shortcuts, and I'm going to try to just load any one of my shortcuts that are in there. 
See, I cheat. I have a 14-year-old, and he helps me with some of this stuff. So I'm going to have him listen back to this and say, how did we do? And he'll say, Mom, you should have done this. Probably. It's okay. I'm used to being criticized. I have a 13-year-old. I was going to say, you have a daughter around the same size, yeah. around the same age. She's pretty kind, though, i got to say. Not because of us. She just came out as a good human being. Oh, I'm sure you had a lot to do with that. I doubt it. Kids raise themselves. <laughs> uh, yeah, so then if you run that, hopefully when you go back to settings, allow untrusted shortcuts should be toggleable, which I guess isn't the word, but you should be able them. to enable it. Every time I, I choose one, it wants, it wants to know if I want to keep this one and delete the other. <laughs> so I have I've got, okay, so I've got, Remind, I've got the shortcuts open on my phone and I've got the data jar open mm. in my iPad just so I can kind of look back and forth. So in my data jar, I've got the reminder shortcut that you created. So if I, and it says six keys next to it. Right. So there's, there's six pieces of information. So mine says create date, which was in this particular instance, December 9, 2020. And it says uh-huh. make an appointment for blood work. Then it's got notes, which is empty. Then the due date is December 9th. Then again, it's called the title, make an appointment for blood work. And then it's on my reminders list. Right. Now, if I wanted to, I can add a value. So is that going to go back to my reminder? No, this is not synced data. This is only going to reflect the state of what was saved to it from shortcuts. Now, what you could do is you could have either a different shortcut or the same shortcut where you can edit these things and then you could call that back in and edit it with shortcuts. You also can edit it manually right there, but that's only going to be in that local copy. It's not, all this is is a file that now has the data that you pass to it from shortcuts. That's all it knows. It's not connected in any way, shape or form. So literally at the time that the shortcut ran, so the way I have the shortcut set up right now The first thing I do is, um, at the top, you may or may not want this because it depends on what you're trying to do. If you're trying to add like a new month's worth of reminders and you run this once a month, you don't want this. But the very first thing I I do is I have a data jar action in my shortcut that says delete value for reminders. So that would delete that whole reminders store. So if you ran this again, everything Mm -hmm. that's in data jar and reminders, Elisa, would be deleted. Okay, let me... Where do I, is it that little arrow at the bottom, that little triangle? Is that how I run it? Uh, Or maybe I'm looking at the wrong thing. You know what it is? I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the individual pieces. Okay. So the reminders backup. Right. The the reminders reminders backup backup. shortcut. That's right. That's where I am. Yeah. Now it's going to look the same. Your data is going to look the same. But the. What's that? Brought me to data jar. Right, because it probably ran and finished running. And the very bottom action is open data jar. Oh, okay. And the, o- the only reason I have that is so that you can see what's going on, what it did. In, in, real, in real use, you wouldn't have that because you don't want your automations running in the background and then popping apps forward all the time. Mm-hmm. I just have an open data jar action at the bottom so that you can see the result of the shortcut in data jar and say, oh, yeah, it did something and here's what it did. So it's going to look the same to you now because it's probably grabbing the same exact reminders. So even though it deleted them, it put them all back in there. So what I have set is the first thing I do is I delete any existing reminders from data jar. I delete that whole store. It's called a store. Then I set the date to today's date. Mm -hmm. 
and then I subtract three months. And so basically, all I'm doing is finding all remind. Then I have a reminders action that says find all reminders where creation date is after my adjusted date of three months ago. So it's going to start three months ago, and it's going to find all reminders that were created after that. So that's why you're getting the exact same thing every time you run it, is because this shortcut is literally set for one use case, and that is, what is today? What is three months ago? Go get all the reminders that were created in between then. Mm-hmm. So you, if you del- even if you delete what's in data jar for reminders and run it again, it's going to look identical to you, unless you change how I have it set up. So I don't know, do, do I want to not run this? Because I'm not going to lose the reminders that I have. No, 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 no. Okay. This doesn't do anything so. to the reminders. All this mm-hmm. is doing is searching and getting the data into shortcuts and then putting it into data jar, but it's not doing anything to the actual reminders. And then what's going to happen once it's in data jar now? It just sits there. Sits there. Okay. Well, when you're ready to use it. Right. Yeah, this um, is only the first half of the equation is yeah, getting, okay. getting data. Getting gather, it's like a gathering data exercise. Uh-huh. Okay. Right. So and I finally got into it now. It was like grayed out for a while. So I, I got the settings to allow it and all that kind of stuff. So I'm finally now into it. I'm into my okay. shortcuts, okay. reminders, backup. So now I'm catching up while Lisa's tinkering with that. So now I can open it up. I can open up the reminders backup that you shared with us. Mm-hmm. And it's opening. It's got the little circle going around. I don't know why it's being slow. And then I'm going to run it once it opens so that I yeah, can see and, what you guys are seeing. Right. And what it will do, and you have data jar installed on the same device, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so then what it's going to do is it's going to get you, I don't know how many reminders you have in the past three months, but it's going to, it's going to go grab. That could be why months. it's taking a while to open because <laughs> I have a lot. <laughs> but see, I only have a couple, but it's only showing me one. Hmm. Because you only a... had one for the last three months? No, I have I have one. No, I have two that run every single month that are recurring reminders. Oh, so it's based on create date. Remember, because I'm. Oh, oh, okay. Because right. Okay. So if we looked at it by due date, if I, if my filter instead of saying creation date is after adjusted date, if my filter said um, due date is after adjusted date, then you would see it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So on the reminders, the Mm -hmm. first reminders action that says find all reminders Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. if you tap creation date, you can change that to due date. There's a due date option near the top. Okay, that's what I love about the shortcuts app is you can, you know, somebody can share something with you and then you can tweak it to your own needs. Right. Mine is stuck. (laughs) It gets like more than 75 percent around and then it just kind of hangs there. Is it? I I did get it to open open it. I'm just trying to open at this point. I, oh, I did just try fling to your, fling your shortcuts up and relaunch okay. it. Shortcuts okay. is buggy. Shortcuts okay. is, is it buggy. Good to know. I'm glad something I something happened this. because now it's gone. It's not in my data jar. Okay. Mess something up. So it, it doesn't think that there's a due date. So when you when that reminder, well, no, it should be due every month, right? Well, you have a repeat every month, but does it have a due date assigned to it? Yes. One is on the ninth of the month, and one's on the thirty-first of the month, or the last day of the month. Got really quiet. Well, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Like oh, okay. <laughs> having a having um, let me look at my reminders here. Having a reoccurring reminder. What does that show for a due date? Yeah, it does show a due date. 
Oh, well, let no. me change mine. Let me change I mine. I wonder if it's because mine says, okay, so just to make sure I didn't mess up the order, I've got at the top, data jar, mm-hmm. delete value for reminders. Then underneath is the date, current date. Then calendar, subtract three months from date. Right. Then it says scripting, repeat with each item in reminders. And then underneath Wait. is- Sorry, under subtract three months from date, what do you have? Then underneath it says scripting, repeat with oh, each item in reminders. You don't have the reminders, find all reminders where action? That's underneath that. Oh, no, that should be above the repeat with each item in reminders. So the find all reminders where goes right above okay. the repeat because the repeat, what the repeat is going to do is going to take each reminder that it finds as a result of that search and it's going to do something with it. So. Yeah, so that'll never happen. That'll never happen. Ooh. There we go. Okay, now I've got 12 reminders. Okay. Okay, so I've got the blood work. And if you look at them, the due date should all be after three months ago. Should be between three months Mm -hmm. ago and now. Yes. Okay, right. And they're sorted by creation date, but... And they're sorted last to first. So they're sorted descending order by creation date. So when they were created... The most recent one first, then the previous one, then the previous, yeah, so. And then it even has one for a due date of, hmm, this one has a due date of February 2021. Yeah, that makes sense because, Okay. oh, okay, so I lied. When I said, when I said that it's going to find ones that come due between three months ago and now, that's not true. It's only looking for ones that are due after three months ago. So that includes into the future. So if you had ones going out all the way to 2040, it would grab all of those too. Okay. So the purpose of this specific shortcut is to solve Melissa's problem of having a backup for her reminders. It's an example of how you could get started on solving that problem. Yeah. Okay. I don't think this would be the final solution, but this is just an example of one way you could do it. Yeah. And I didn't expect it to be like an actual solution, but I I did want to like kind of dig into it and get started because I'll mean, probably go and tinker with it. Yeah. Because this is a good way, because at least this way you've got a copy of your reminders. Yeah. And you can export that stuff from data jar. You can like with like just using a shortcut, you could pull it back in as a dictionary and then just write it to a file. In fact, I have a shortcut that I use all the time. Um, I have multiple shortcuts related to Overcast for podcast listening. So one I have, I, I break them up into separate shortcuts, and then I can combine them if I want to. I have one that formats the title of the podcast the way I want it so that I can tweet it out with a link and the artwork. And, it, and then I tweet it out. And then it also, if I, and then I have one, a variant of that that also saves it to DataJar. So episodes that I, that I want to particularly note that I listened to, they'll get saved to data jar with the podcast name, the episode name, the show notes, the artwork. And then that also, besides saving them to data jar, it actually exports that dictionary as a JSON file and it uploads it to my website and recompiles my website. When I'm not too lazy or finally I have enough time, I'm going to make a web page that uses that JSON file and just shows a running stream of here's what Scott's listening to in Overcast. But it goes to your Twitter feed, which I follow, which I see those. Right. And I, that's mm-hmm. why I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in theory, you could take this data that's stored in data jar now and do pretty much anything with it. So I'll show you where I got stuck. Um, 
when I tried to run it, I got a message saying, could not run set value. The operation took too long to complete. Please try again. And yeah, again, this so, is probably because I I have a lot going on and it's probably borked it. Um, and DataJar, sometimes I've noticed when it tries to communicate with DataJar, it does that sometimes. And bear in mind, I don't know how many reminders you have where the due date is after three months ago. Yeah. Or or I actually, in your copy, it might not say due date yet. It might still say uh, creation date, right? Yeah. It, so I was able to open it. So yeah, it says date, creation date. Is after. Calendar. Date, yeah. Subtract three months from date. And right. so, yeah, I have I have reminders set to like recur in the future, like um, bills that are coming due. I have reminders for checking the balance, paying the balance. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so, like I have one from a year from now, like to pay certain annual bills, those kinds of things. So I have I have due dates in the future. So just to test it on that mm-hmm. first reminders action where it says find all reminders where at the bottom mm-hmm. of that action, there's a limit. And if you turn that on, you can say get 10 reminders or whatever. So just for testing purposes, you can mm-hmm. limit it to say, just give me the first 10 that match this criteria. Okay, so I see creation date is after, then add filter, sort by order, and okay, limit. So I yeah. should turn that limit on, uh-huh. and then like I'll I just I think the default it. is five, and then... I'm, yeah. I'm going to turn it to, let's yeah. just get three reminders, mine, three, and yeah. see what happens. Yeah, mine came up 10 reminders. So right. I'm gonna, yeah, 10 was the default. Okay, okay. And you can change the order. So now I tap oldest. the play button. Yeah, it says you can change the order from the oldest first to the latest, or the latest first. So from most yeah, recent right. to oldest, whichever way works better. So Scott, going back. Okay, to I think the, it did something. Going back to the podcast one that you said you use. So for an example, would be if <laughs> you're listening to Geeky Show Ever and it's titled Geeky Show Ever, but you want it to be GSE, that would be something that you would change within the shortcut to change the title from Geeky Show Ever to GSE. And then when you say yeah. grab the show notes, it's assuming the show notes are within the app. Yeah, the problem is, for whatever reason, Marco changed something, and I can't scrape the show notes like I used to. So now what I have it do, this is how much of a, of a, and this is just for saving to data jar, because when I tweet it out, I don't send the show notes, obviously. I just send the title and the link and the artwork. I would love to to make a shortcut like this for the purposes of my own podcasting, because like you, Scott, I, I've i done you know different shows. I've been on different shows. I would love to be able to go back and kind of scrape that data and put it all on my website, like stuff that right. I did yeah. historically, just so that I had kind of a, a record of it, you know, because yeah. I have participated in that. That would be yeah. really useful. Yeah, and then... Um, and so what I do in, in that particular case is I have it, I, I know I'm going to have to grab the show notes from Overcast. So basically what I have it do is I have it call the opener app. It calls Overcast. Overcast comes to the front and I have shortcuts set to wait until I return. That's the other thing about shortcuts. You can have shortcuts wait for you to do do stuff in other apps real quick, but you have to do it quick or it'll time out. Shortcuts mm-hmm. has a limited memory. Like uh, the iOS devices are constrained in memory. That's just all there is to it. And to, like I have an iPad Pro with the most memory you can get, and and even so, sometimes you have to be careful with your shortcuts. But anyway, that's a good caveat to know about. Yeah. So my my question, though, real quick, is um, you're using Overcasts as mm-hmm. your app. Have you tried it with different apps, and you just like Overcast the best for this purpose, or what if you tried a different app for scraping the show notes or something? Like, why not the Apple Podcast app, for instance? Because I don't. Because I don't want to listen to it in Apple Podcasts. And if yeah, I was okay. listening to it in Overcast and I was going to get the show notes out of, I would have to still switch to it. And chances are I wouldn't have that episode downloaded and, and all that. Okay. So there's definitely so. a specific reason. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm using it. Yeah. 
That's great. I knew there would be. I just wanted to hear what it was. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. um, awesome. Can you remind us just just to go just a backtrack just a little bit? Can you define for us like dictionary key like those kinds of like I like to learn vocabulary terms. Yeah. So dictionary is just a type of variable. Okay. And it's just a, a variable in programming. It's just a a name that you can associate with a given set of data. So like you can have string data, you can have numbers, you can have dictionaries. These are just three of the types. Yeah, I'm actually and, looking at them. They're the things like when I tapped on it, it shows in like little ovals. So it says number, boolean, file, list, dictionary. Uh-huh. And it's it says in the edit value section. So just like you said, it's value. So that's where you'll see those dictionary items. Yeah, and basically a dictionary has two things. It has a key and it has a value. And each Uh key has to be unique. Otherwise, you can't find the key. And in this example, key is a due date. Uh, In this example, I'm actually using... So if you look in the repeat with each item thing, and then you see that I create my dictionary, right? And then when I... And then right below that is a data jar accent that says set reminders dot reminder. And then repeat index. So actually what I'm doing, what I'm using for my key for each reminder is the word reminder and then Uh the repeat index. So Mm -hmm. as it loops through, each reminder has a different number in the loop, right? Like it starts Mm -hmm. at one, it goes to two, it goes to three, it goes to four, it goes all the way up to 10 or however many reminders you have, right? Neat. So Mm -hmm. I'm just saying reminders one, reminder two, reminder, that way they're unique. And how did you figure out how to put this together? Well, I just realized, so if you were going to do this as an ongoing thing where you use the shortcut and you're not replacing your backup each time, but you're adding to it, this wouldn't work because then you would yeah. wind up with reminders with the same key. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you could you could make a key based on date. What, what I use for my key for my Overcast podcast episodes is I just take the Overcast URL for it and I just chop out all the the weird characters like i chop out the colon and the forward slash forward slash and any forward slashes from the url so i basically just have a url that's just letters and numbers that's my uh-huh. unique key because his urls are always going to be unique for each podcast episode that's available in overcast uh-huh. so any anything that's unique you can uh-huh. generate a random number whatever one thing i've already found is i just had to delete the uh the shortcut that you sent us because uh-huh. i clicked on i think adjusted date or something and mm-hmm. or no i hit i hit on the circle with the minus which was for deleting and i didn't want to delete i kind of like pushed it aside but it deleted it anyway which meant the shortcut didn't run so i had to delete the whole thing and then just re-import it from the text re-import that you sent us but it just shows that how easy it is to mm-hmm. make a mistake or to touch something you don't mean to yeah shortcuts is that way so to play with this but then you can always like, correct make, it again i always make backups I always make a so whenever I create a shortcut, I always make a backup of whatever short. I always make a backup to modify. Like if I have mm-hmm, a shortcut, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know what? I need to go in and tweak this shortcut. And especially the longer it is, because I have shortcuts for things like podcast publishing, podcast episodes, and publishing blog posts, and they're super mm-hmm. lengthy and involved. Detailed, and do, yeah. Yeah, they go to my server. They go to my Git repo. They mm-hmm. do tons of text processing. They handle files. They do all this garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whenever I modify one of those, you can bet. I've got three or four backups with mm-hmm. dates on them for each of those. And I then, do that, too. I put the date in front of it so that I can yeah. tell when I modified it. So not with, with iOS reminders. 
because this is still really fresh and new to me. But when I was talking about it on our episode last last time, I was using an automator script. So in order to modify that, I want to make sure I didn't screw up the original. So I kept like the original. And sometimes I'll do that too. Like I'll I'll save it and I'll put like a ridge at the end of it so that I know that mm-hmm. that's the the first one. And then I make a copy of it and then I put the date in front of it. And then I start yeah. tinkering with it and modifying it. And then when I really bork it, I can just go back to the original. But I never change the original. I just copy and paste from it. So I always right. keep the original and then I make iterations of it. So that's yeah. a good point to bring up as as people are learning about this stuff. Always make copies and, and backups to to work from. Yeah, because shortcuts are very hard to. There's no versioning in shortcuts, and it's very mm-hmm. hard to. There is an undo, but you got to get to it right away. Mm-hmm. And so, and maybe even screenshots. You know, take screenshots of it as you're modifying it, so that you yeah. can see where you left off. Yeah, and and so what I have is like for my blog post and podcast episode publishing shortcuts, I have a, a, a folder in shortcuts called publish and I have everything related to those activities in there. And then I have a publish test where I work on stuff that I might want to incorporate and I have a publish backups. And the publish backups is literally just like blog post publish back 11, 23, 2020 or whatever. It's just the backups of those. And so in, and then inside those shortcuts, there's two things that I do to change them from the originals. I open the shortcut. I tap on the little blue circle by the title of the shortcut and I turn off show and share sheet. That way, when I'm running a shortcut from a share sheet, I don't have all my backups in there getting in my way and confusing me because you you will get a super long list of shortcuts. I've already noticed that. (laughs) Yeah. And then the other thing I do is I put a comment block right at the top and I say, for example, I used to use IA Writer. Now I use Ulysses. And so I put comments like, this was my IA Writer specific version. This is my first Ulysses specific version. I put just comments in there so I know what, what the time frame of that backup was because I'm not going to remember that stuff in six Great months. Great idea. And then that's probably searchable if you're looking for something specific from like three years ago. Yeah. That's great. That's a great idea. Okay. So I've got a question for you. Yeah. Um, as we were talking before we recorded, I have a very difficult time. I'm not a logical person. Shortcuts needs logic. When I was back in school in the, you know, in 2007, I took some programming. I took Java, I took JavaScript, I took Unix, and I struggled. Not Unix as much, but with Java, I uh-huh. struggled because it's a very logical progression on how yeah, to I get would... from point A to point B to point C. And shortcuts is the same way. So what would you recommend to someone who's totally new, and especially someone like me, who's not really a logical person, to create just a very simple shortcut? Like, you know, is it just trial and error? Do you have a reference that they should be looking at? There are some good resources. First of all, I I would think of it more like this, is like with any type of programming, and then shortcuts especially, think of it kind of like a recipe. There is more logic involved because you do have to understand, okay, well, if I do this, what happens? But also, if it doesn't match this criteria, then what do I do? There is some logic involved, but really all you're doing is you're saying, here's the end goal I want to achieve. How do I get there? And then you just break it down into little steps. And you can test, you can set up test cases in individual shortcuts to test those individual steps. You know what I mean? Like you, like there are many times where I only want to test a certain part of a shortcut. Like the part of my uh, 
like I have a lot of text processing in my blog post publish and my podcast episode publishing because I do things like grab the body, like in the case of a podcast, it would be the show notes. In the case of a blog post, it grabs the whole post. And then I do things like I look for images and I automatically say, okay, um, like I attach those images in Ulysses and it automatically parses them. It converts the the format for the image link to a specific type that I need on my server. It does a whole bunch of different things. And if I if I want to test that, I don't want to run my whole stupid shortcut in order to test that one specific part to make sure I'm getting it right. So I break that out and then I just take a Ulysses file or whatever and I just or even just a text block containing what would be in my Ulysses post and I just run that. So you can absolutely break it up into little tiny chunks and just test that little chunk that you want to do. And then the other thing is, um, I don't know if you listen to Automator's podcast. No. I wish I did. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty good. And they have a resource on, talk, I think it's talk.automators. Is that the... Is it Automator Sparky? Is that the one with Rosemary Orchard and... Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, talk.automators.fm. They have a forum where they talk about all this stuff. And they do have sections under ios for like shortcuts and stuff like that and so you can talk automator and shortcuts are very kind of similar wouldn't you say yeah they when they say automators they're just saying automation in general like they're not talking about automator Automator the app okay right specifically that's right that's where my brain went because that's what i'm a little bit more familiar with and only a tiny bit right i think it helps to like i had one of the questions i really wanted to ask in the beginning was you know what are shortcuts and how are they useful? And as you were describing the bits and pieces of it, like I, I always say that to my clients when we're getting ready to do a project, they say, okay, we're going to bake a cake. In order to bake this cake, here are the ingredients that we're going to need. And this is how we're going to mix them together to arrive at the cake that we want to bake. And right. so it's very similar to what you were saying. And that's how I can kind of think logically about all the different steps that are involved in, in, a, um, in a shortcut. And so maybe like maybe just give some some examples without, you know, talking about the actual steps that are put together, but say the end goal. So you were talking about uh, publishing a blog post and um, sharing the podcast that you listen to. Those are some examples. I mean, a very simple one I was thinking about, you know, sharing actually maybe with the listeners. And that was my next question is like, what's the best way to share a shortcut? So let's say, for example, for the purposes of when we go to publish this episode, and the show notes that go along with it, let's say we wanted to share a very simple reminders, a a very simple shortcut. The reminders one that we're doing is very kind of involved, but let's say if we want to do something very simple and we want to share it with the audience or the readers that read the show notes, what would be a really simple one? Like, could we start with say like a toggle the flashlight, toggle the flashlight, you know, on and off. Like I have one that my son helped me make Originally, you know how the newer iPhones now are, I don't know, which which models can you do it back with where you can use the back tap? So if you tap the back of your of your iPhone mm-hmm. twice or three times, you can get it to run to to do something. And, and yeah. for example, I have it set so that when I tap it twice, it turns the flashlight on. Well, originally when my son and I built the shortcut for that, we told it, okay, tap twice to turn the flashlight on. And then tap three times to turn the flashlight off. But then he figured out that he could modify it. And, and he, he, came right, he came running into the room. He's like, mom, 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 we can save that, that triple tap for something else because I figured out how to change it to make it toggle. 
So now you can tap it twice on the back of your phone to turn the flashlight on and then tap twice again to turn it off. And it's now a toggle instead of two separate actions. Mm -hmm. So something like that, would that be something simple enough that we could share with the readers of the show notes and something that they could then pull in and, you know, maybe make their own changes for it. Like maybe they don't want the flashlight. Maybe could they could take that, edit it, and make, you know, different flavored cake. But instead of it being the flashlight, it would be, you know, I don't know, turn on Zoom or something like that. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah. And, and in order to share a shortcut and, and answer your question, basically, um, as, you, as I, I'm sure you already know, but if you go to look at the shortcuts list in your shortcuts app, look at any of your folders or look at all shortcuts or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a little, uh, well, you can do it two ways. You can long press on the shortcut itself. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not working. And then there you get go. like a little, like a little pop you out. You get a menu. Yeah. And then there's a share option there. Mm-hmm. And then if you share it, one of the options in the long list of things is, there should be an iCloud. Say, iCloud copy link, iCloud. yeah, copy iCloud link. That's mm-hmm. right, and mm-hmm. that, and then you just put that link wherever people are reading or whatever, and then they they click on it and they download it the same way you guys downloaded the one that I, the reminders one. So that means it's stored in my iCloud or something, for example. But like, it, what if I change that folder or something like that? Should I make a special folder? No, because when when you when it says copy iCloud link. It's uh-huh. not actually, you're not changing, you're not doing anything to determine where that's stored. You don't even have to oh, worry about okay. that. Oh, okay. Say that again, Scott. Now, where do I, I'm, I'm on my all shortcuts page and I uh-huh. want to share the reminders back up. Right. So if you just long press on one of your shortcuts, one of your shortcut bricks, not the, not inside a shortcut, but just looking at all your shortcuts. If you just long press at one, you should get a pop-up menu. There's also three dots okay. you can Yeah, tap, you can also tap the three dots and it will open the share shortcut. And then, then there's a share okay. icon it says inside there. Details, duplicate, share, move, and delete. Right. So hit share. Okay. And then yeah. I can uh, share as a file, copy the link, send it to five messages, Twitter, right. et cetera. Okay. Right. That's right. And that iCloud link will let them download it from any time after that. And that's cool. Even if you. I think even if you delete it, that iCloud link still works, I think. I, I do wonder. That'll, well, that'll be an interesting, an, inter- an interesting test to do because I know, for mm-hmm. example, when you, when you create, say, a little album of pictures, the iCloud photo albums, that doesn't count, that doesn't count against your own personal iCloud storage. So I wonder if this is treated the same way. I it's think, not counting I think it is, yeah. your own I, personal I, I, stuff. Yeah, because it's not something that you can get to. Mm-hmm. So I think even if you delete your local shortcut, you even you could down re-download your own shortcut using that link mm-hmm. again. That would be an interesting test to try. We'll have to do that. Yeah. Very so yeah, that's cool. that's one way to share it, and then from there people can just start modifying it. But the best way to mod, the best way to mess with them is just take existing ones, yeah, make copies yeah. of them, so you can always go back and refer to the original if you get confused, uh-huh. and just start tweaking it. So how did you get into this? What what started you down this path? Did you just start making your own or did you were you inspired by other people who made them? Do you have a repository that you keep that you share? Do you have a repository that you went and visited? Because like I, you know, I've, I've seen people share links o- over over the years. There's one I found that's called shortcutsgallery.com. Uh-huh. Um, 
and there's a bunch of stuff in there. It, it kind of reminds me of Ift a little bit, which I've never really been successful with, and that disappoints me. <laughs> but yeah, they have Ift them in used... different colors and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, Ift used to be a lot more useful than it is now. I don't even use it anymore. Oh, good. So um, I'm not alone then. <laughs> no, it's just, it's not very useful anymore. Uh-huh. It is kind of disappointing. Uh, no, I just, I work in a job where, well, I start, I got into computers early because my brother and he was always a hardcore nerd. So he kind of got me into programming. In fact, I had to, in order to play with his computer, I had to, this is the time they still had magazines with code listings in them. And I had to type in games and then I could play games. So I had to type in programs several programs or I wasn't going to get to play with the computer and then I got to play with the computer. So that's actually how I learned how to type and it's how I, how I started learning about programming. And then by the time shortcuts came along, I've, I'd been doing automation of different kinds already. And especially in my job, I work in semiconductor tests and we have tons of data logging, tons of scripting, tons of automation, tons of grabbing data from databases and, you know, and stuff like that. And so it's, the concept itself was already embedded in my brain. I just had to find out the specifics of shortcuts, like what are the limitations? What are the actions? How can I make it work for me? What stuff is it useful for? And a lot of times what you see with shortcuts is people saying, gee, I just can't think of anything I could use it for. It is, but all of programming is the type of thing where if you have a need, then use it. If you don't have a need first, right. If you have a need, that's like with my, my recent ones that I made of the blog post and, podcast episode publishing that's because i'm using a static site generator called hugo i don't have i don't use wordpress anymore i don't have stuff that automatically updates it's not dynamically generated so i have to upload my stuff in the right format i have to tell the site to recompile i have to do all this stuff so i just made shortcuts that do it for me and the benefit of shortcuts isn't just that i'm lazy and i don't want to do it it's that a i can do it from anywhere and b it happens the same way every time and i don't forget a step and everything happens exactly the same way every time that's, that's efficiency that's not laziness that's resourcefulness yeah, and, it just, <laughs> and it just makes sure that it gets done right because mm-hmm. i know i'm going to forget something hey i think necessity is the mother of invention that's just how these things come about yeah so if you can't think of use don't worry um you know look at other people's examples mm-hmm. but if you can't if it if it's not meeting a need that's fine you don't need to feel compelled to use it right and that's yeah. That's perfectly and, in the, and in the case where we got started on this, I mean, my need was a need that I've always had, and there's always been a solution to it in the past. The solution was always export the reminders, and then I'd have an ICS file sitting there so that I could re-import it if something went terribly wrong, right. or if I just, you know, there's times where I get sick of looking at things, you know, maybe it was a because I'm constantly tinkering with stuff, I'm constantly just trying to figure something out. But then I get sick of seeing it there because it's like this project that I, well, I want to work on, but I get tired of looking at it. So I want to export it and move it off to somewhere else. Like, for example, you know, in, in this case scenario, I had some bell schedules set up for the kids and it was something that I'm tinkering with. It's a project that I want to work on, but I'm kind of getting tired of it, like always showing up in my list there. Mm-hmm. And I want to I want to work on it when I want to get to it. So I really wanted to just export those off, delete them and then be able to reimport them back. And I was just really, really frustrated when I upgraded to Catalina and went to go do just that thing and it wasn't available anymore. I thought, what the, why would they get rid of that? That was so useful. I don't understand why they went and made reminders this whole other animal that it is now. 
Yeah. So I really was just disappointed that that function no longer existed. And I thought, well, now I have a need that needs to be fulfilled. I have to find some other way to do it. And that's why I thought maybe some kind of shortcut was was the way to go about it. So I've gotten as far as um, following along with um, Gary's script that I, I uh, put in the show notes for last episode so I can make an automator script so I can do it on the Mac. And mm-hmm. then I thought maybe I'd talk to you about trying to you know work towards coming up with some way to do it on iOS. So we'll get there eventually. I guess the mine yeah. are like really involved. I'll, I should show you a screenshot later so you can see all the lists that I have. Because remember, it's not just for me. I'm doing this I'm running a four, you know, plus a plus a small business. So I'm really using it. And it, you know, it may just be that it's not the right tool for the job. I probably should be using a pro app. I probably should go out and spend money on something that does the job better, that has a subscription fee or something that's built for businesses because I'm trying to kind of roll it on my own using Apple's stuff that comes with it at, at the consumer level. So it could be that, but it's still one of those things where I like to try out these things so that when people come and ask me, well, hey, you know, I have this need and I want to do this thing. And oh, yeah, I, you know, let me just pull that out of my hat, you know? Yeah. Now, Melissa, uh, there is a gallery of shortcuts within the Shortcuts app. And there is one yeah. there that's kind of interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Log my weight. So if you are in the process I have that of one, yeah. Yeah, losing weight, you can just automatically <laughs> yep. just type in what your weight is and mm-hmm. it will send it to the health app instead of having to mm-hmm. dig into it. So so that I'm glad you brought that up because I'm um, talking about the right tool for the job. So I did used to use that one. And then I found an Apple Watch app that kind of did the job better. But then I was like, well, sometimes I get up and I weigh myself and I don't have my watch on or whatever. I mean, first world problems here. Come on. But then I got a scale, a Bluetooth scale, and that turned out to be the better tool for the job because now when I get on the scale, I can do it from my watch or from my phone. It's a Bluetooth signal. It connects to whatever device I have with me and it logs my weight and it sends it to the health app. So all that's been taken care of. Now what I'm looking for, though, is something that can't be Bluetooth. Um, We've talked about, you know, health in, in the past. I have asthma. And I use an inhaler and there are times of the year where like, it gets worse. And I just thought, you know, uh, I had to use it the last couple of days. I, maybe I should start tracking that. Of course, we're all like COVID aware and things like that. And I thought now that's what I'm looking for is because in the health app, there is a place for it where you can log your inhaler usage. So every time you've had to use your inhaler. So when you go to talk to the doctor, I mean, you know, it's like getting your labs done. She's reviewing your vital signs and things like that. That would be another indicator of your health as to, you know, what's going on. And so that would be something that I would like to log. So there's a place for it in the health app. But now I would like to create a remind. Um, I keep wanting to say reminder because I got reminders on the brain. A shortcut that says, OK, every time I just like the log my weight. So I guess that's probably what I would do is I would probably maybe start with the log my weight shortcut, but then modify it and tailor it to I'm not actually logging my weight. I'm logging every time I take a puff on my inhaler or every time I've used it, you know, every time I've used my inhaler, change it to that and have it go to the health app. So instead of it logging weight, it would be logging inhaler usage. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And you can do that with with the log health sample action. You can say type inhaler usage. Oh, great. Okay. So right from shortcut. So you can create a shortcut that does that. And and the log health sample instead of type weight is just type inhaler usage. And then... um, then sample value is the value that you'll input. That'll be the input to your shortcut. 
like when nice. it pops up the form, you can, you know, you can tell it you want to input a value. You, mm -hmm. you know how to do that. And then the sample value will be whatever you type in. And then it can either be a count, like two puffs, mm -hmm, or it can right. be a percent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because mine has a, my inhaler has a clicker on it. Like that keeps uh -huh. track of each puff that you take. And it's uh -huh. usually always two puffs. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, so you could do that. And then you could also have it put the date in there. But there's different types of inhalers that other people have, I know. So, yeah. That's really cool. See, I knew that if we had Scott on, he'd have an answer for it. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I didn't know they had a weight one. I, I created one because I used to, my smart scale is really cheap and it quit working. I just, oh, okay. it just always disconnected. And so I just said, forget it. I just, mm -hmm. I just have a, I just have a widget. I have, I like the widget stacks in iOS because you can make your own stacks with whatever widgets you want and just scroll through them. And one of my I widgets. I do love is, those. Yeah. Yes. One yes. of my widgets is log weight. And so every mm -hmm. time I, I always check my weight at the same time every morning before I eat, before I drink. Mm -hmm. And then I just use that real quick to enter it. And I have different apps that make use of the data. Like there's one called uh, Happy Scale. I love Happy Scale. I love yeah. me some graphing. I love me some logging. And Happy Scale gives you reports. You can look Ooh, at yeah. it by different time ranges. It also shows you the raw data in the logbook. Here's what I logged today. Here's what I logged yesterday. It's just a really nice little app for looking at reports uh -huh. and it will show you, you know, very clearly when there's an uptrend and when there's a downtrend and what your trends are. And it's really great to look at. It's just, it's got charts that just. And know, that's for weight specifically. And that's called happy scale. So yeah. you said it's an app. That's right. But it uses your health data. So. That leads me into my other question, Scott. What are your favorite shortcuts? Do you have a, like you just mentioned that one, like what, what are some shortcuts that you, if you care to share, you know, if they're personal, you know, whatever, but um, do you have any specific shortcuts that you use like every day or regularly that you really, really enjoy? Or like maybe also what would be like your proudest uh, shortcut that you've created? One that you was maybe really challenging to get it to work and then you finally did and you had this like kind of euphoria about it. I mean, the best ones are the, the blog and podcast episode publishing ones, just because they do so much text processing that's specific to me. They use a lot of regular expressions. They do a lot of manipulation. They they automatically upload all the photos that I want to embed in the blog post article. I don't have to do anything. It knows the name. It knows the link. It, it does Sounds all like that a dream. stuff. And then mm -hmm. it updates my Git repo so mm -hmm. that I have backups of all this stuff in private repos on GitHub. And it keeps everything up to date. And those I... I really use shortcuts for things like that, like for work. Mm -hmm. uh, I do the health ones with the, the weight and stuff like that. I also have home automations, which mm -hmm. are a little bit different because you schedule them through the home app and so forth. Um, mm -hmm. And I have, I was using one when the, when the fires were really bad around here. I did, I do have one that goes out and there's another app called Charty, which lets you take shortcut data and make charts out of it. It's mm -hmm. really nice. So I use that for, uh, I look at weather forecasts and it draws me a nice little line graphs of what the temperature is going to be. So I can see it going up and down in the next few days into the future. And I, and then I, I have that shortcut run. Uh, I don't remember how many times a week because it looks several days in the future. So I think I run it three times a week and then it creates a chart and then that chart gets displayed as a widget. I also have the same for my weight. So in, I don't just have to go into happy scale. Also, I have widgets on my home screen that show me my weight trends mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, stuff like that. And then, but mostly it's just for getting work done, mm -hmm. work, work or home automation. I'm not, 
like I, I don't care about morning routine shortcuts, that kind of stuff. I just don't, mm-hmm. I just don't want that kind of stuff. So it's, it's mainly for things like that. The only, the only frivolous ones that I have are the over, I call them frivolous or the overcast ones, but that's just because I really am into podcasts and I like logging, tweeting them out and logging mm-hmm. which ones I listen to. And I have some for any behavioral modification ones, or is that what you're not really into? No, my, my, my it's more functional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they do um, help you in the type of work that you do? No, no. They don't. Mm-hmm. No, no. Because uh, at work, we're all on Windows PCs and oh, getting, <laughs> yeah, making them useful between the two platforms. Yeah. Now, I do use drafts a lot at work because I do store a lot of information in drafts on my iPhone. Okay. And I, I can update it. In, in fact, I have a great little, with the new versions of drafts, you can make like little wikis. Oh, really? So each page can link to each other. So you can basically create your own little wiki. So I have a whole documentation system for tons of stuff that I need to know about work, uh-huh. uh, like different servers, different hosts, different parts, different contacts, different uh-huh. uh, software versions that we're installing, all these different things. And I have a little wiki and I can just click on a subject and it'll go to that page. And then I then there's a link back to the table of contents and I can go back there. It's super nice. That's a great idea. I should explore that some more because I do an iPad deployment for my kids' school that I volunteer. And that would be a handy place to store all that stuff for when I'm ready to hand it off. Yeah. (laughs) Because they're not going to be in school forever. So, you know, someday I would like to graduate. And the nice thing about drafts is like you can make little to-do items that you can check off as you do them. And you can create Mm -hmm. a template so that you can, like if you're going to go on a trip, you can have it you can just say create from template and bam you've got a brand new checklist of Um, all the stuff you need to pack and you can check it off as you go and i i also do that for setting up servers and i've got because i set up a a linode server for my websites recently and i was like you know i don't i'm going to forget all this stuff i don't want to have to learn all this stuff again i'm going to document the hell out of it and i also don't have to reinvent the wheel (laughs) right i have a checklist as i'm going for all the things i want to do that i have done and haven't done and that's that's just a checklist and then i have all the links and all the documentation underneath it in the draft so So this is almost like a shortcut that's kind of baked into drafts it sounds like kind of it's more of a it's more of a document it's Mm -hmm. more of a like some people might put this in a spreadsheet, but I think mm-hmm. people overuse spreadsheets. And I, I mm-hmm. like spreadsheets for numbers, but I can't stand them for documenting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. yeah, that makes sense to me. I'd rather have a list format. Uh-huh. But other than that, yeah, I don't really get to integrate any of this stuff into my work life. Mm-hmm. Well, it's probably good because then it wouldn't be as pleasurable, I bet. For somebody like me who's just totally green, just doesn't, you know, just can't comprehend putting all these building blocks together as of right this uh-huh. As of right now, for someone uh-huh. like me, would you recommend that if they want to start dipping their toe into the shortcut water, to just go through the galleries that are built into the shortcuts app, or go online and look at galleries and download something really simple, like they've got one about washing your hands for twenty seconds, or creating uh-huh. a playlist on Apple Music, something really simple, and not just using it but looking at it. And trying to see how the pieces fit together and yeah, maybe absolutely. little by little change things. If it's 25 songs, change it to 50. If it's um, all sorts of music, maybe change it to rock music or country music or whatever you have on your computer, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. And just start tweaking and slowly build up your confidence to create your own. Yeah, absolutely. Because 
It does a bunch of different things. By looking at other people's examples, number one, you might find something that kind of does a task that you that you want, that you like. You Then you can also see, because the hardest part about learning any new system is you don't even know what's possible in that system, right? Like you don't even know what your options are. Right. It's like learning a language. It's the same with learning a new programming language or a human language or any type of new thing where you know what you want to do, but how do you express it in a way that this thing will understand and take what you're saying and do it? You don't know the vocabulary, and that's the same with shortcuts. You don't know what options are available. You don't know what actions to use. You don't know what they represent. You don't know all this stuff. And so by looking at other people's, you can see how they did it, and then you can just tweak it a little bit at a time. It will give you exposure to what's in there, what's available, and some of the things that other people have done with it. And it's kind of weird because either I've found that looking for example shortcuts online, they're either so simple that you might use them a few times and then never use them again, or they go super complex. It's hard to find stuff that's in between, but for just starting out, find the simple ones, look at them. It'll show you what's available. Uh, dig through the app, look at the look at the apps tab that's in there. Like if you start creating a shortcut or you start editing an existing shortcut, like on the, the iPad's nice for this because it shows you more stuff at once than the iPhone does. Yeah, that's definitely good advice because I was going to so, do it all on my tiny little iPhone 12 mini screen. <laughs> yeah, and you do need to, by the way, if you're if you're doing health related shortcuts because the iPad doesn't have access to the health data. Oh, that's a good point. I'm glad you said that. The iPhone does, yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, if you, like for example, on the iPad, if you open up a shortcut, the right-hand side has a little pane with different actions you can use, but there's a thing called apps. And if you tap on apps, it shows you all your apps that are installed that support shortcuts. And if you tap on an individual one of those, it'll show you what shortcut actions are available for that specific app. So exploring that is a good way to learn what's possible. Exploring the scripting button will show you what types of uh, functionalities available within shortcuts natively, just stuff like that. So yeah, look at other people's stuff and explore those options that are available within shortcuts and you'll start to slowly get an idea of what's possible. But yeah, it really is just learning what can I do? What's available? That is the hard part. No doubt about it. Now, do you also recommend one of the problems I had when I was taking Java and I have this with everything is I don't read directions. I just jump right in. You know, you get a new piece of equipment, you just jump right in and I read the, I'll read the help file. You don't file. need us taking instructions. Yeah, I read the help file when I get to a point where, oh, how do I, you know, how do I crop? And then I'll read the directions I have. I do if I can't figure it out on my own. And that was the problem I had uh-huh. with JavaScript when I was learning Java and JavaScript. But what we were taught to do, like I said, that I ignored, is that here's my problem. I want to get the show notes from the podcast I'm listening to onto my website. So... There's my, and I would just jump in and start typing code. What we were told to do is write down, here's my problem. I want to get my, I want to get my show notes up to my website. So what are my steps? Step one, I have to do this. Step two, I have to do this. Step three, I have to do this. And then hopefully by step four, my show notes are up on my website. Is that something you also recommend? That if you are coming up with your, short, you know, you have something that you want to create a shortcut, you know, write down the steps that you think you need to take to get to that point so you know what kind of things you're looking for within the shortcut, or am I making it harder than it has to be? To be honest, my approach has generally been more like your first approach. 
and that's the mo- the more fun way to do it. So both approaches are valid, and I think you have to use both at different times. Like even if you start with approach number one, where you just dive in and start doing stuff, at some point you're going to have to think about what is the how do I want to organize this, and yeah, like with my reminders, I think I need to map it out a little bit. Like yeah. Maybe a mind map might even help. Like, how do I want to organize this? And then you're also, obviously, with any programming language, per your example, at some point you're going to have to refer to documentation, right? But you don't have to refer to documentation and start at the beginning reading a book about the language in order to get started. You can just grab other people's code and look at it and start playing playing with it for yourself. But, you know, again, you do need to know what what's available. Otherwise, you're going to be recreating things that the language can do that you didn't know it could do. Mm-hmm. So they're both valid. And I think it just depends on where you're at. Like if you're doing something really complex, you should have some organizational planning or it's going to become a, a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Vic, he's really good at organizational thinking when it comes to programming and developing things. Like we're working on a, a Hugo website theme. Hugo's a static site generator. We're creating a theme for it so people can use it to set up a podcasting website using Hugo. Mm-hmm. And he's super good at thinking about how it should be organized in advance for making it not only easier for us to make, but other people to modify it later. So you absolutely do need organizational thinking, but for learning stuff, I just dive in and start doing. That's what I, you know, that is the best approach because if you have to start from the very beginning and go back to Abraham Lincoln in the log cabin mm-hmm. before you can even get started, you're going to get bored and quit. That's true. Yeah, that's a really great point. See, like I said earlier, normally what mm-hmm. I do is I just jump in. I don't read directions. Mm-hmm. I just do it. Yeah. And then I read the directions yeah. when I get to a point where I don't know what to do now. I can't right. figure out the answer. Then I go to the help. I look it up. Oh, okay, this is how I do it. And then I continue on. Because what's the fun of just I make friends step- and ask questions. <laughs> but what's, the, what's the point of just step one, click here. Step two, mm-hmm. type in. Eh. Mm-hmm. I just want to do it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have taught themselves how to program by, by just diving in and doing it. And in fact, and making mistakes. And making mistakes. And I I personally tend to be somebody that starts too slow on learning new things. And I have to get all this information accumulated. And then I finally start doing it. And I should probably be less that way. And if you just dive in, though, also look at other people's stuff, because that will tell you what verbs and nouns and adjectives are available in this language that you're trying to learn, right? Because that's the hard part is you don't know what what's available. What can it do? And you're going to make you're going to do things in an overly convoluted way when there was a simple way to do it that you just didn't know was there. There's always frameworks or tools or actions or whatever you want to call them available to you that the only way you're going to know is either by reading documentation or looking at other people's examples. But aside from that, yeah, just dive in and start messing with it. You're always, no matter whether you're a writer or a, or an artist or a programmer or whatever, you're always going to go back and look at previous work and go, man, I can't believe I did it that way. Or you're going to think, who was the idiot who made this? Oh, it was me. <laughs> um it's just how it it's just how Been it there, is. Done that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, you don't know it's possible until you try. So I'd say jump in, make friends, ask questions, make mistakes. If you really get stuck, let somebody know. There's always there's always somebody out there that that knows more about this stuff. Like I know that there's things that I know more about that say, you know, say for example, Lisa, between the two of us. There's there's things that I know about, but it gets stuck. And then it's just helpful to have another another set of eyeballs on it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then, you know, you'll find a mistake that I didn't see because I was so mired and I was so like deep into it and the vice versa. Or, you know, you'll you'll come up with something and I'll say, oh, here, you know, do it like this. Like 
we'll talk about it on another show, but we're, we're tinkering with one, one, one password. And she was like, but I don't understand how to do this. And I was like, oh, you go here and here. Ah, okay. Now it makes sense. So. Yeah. And it's fun to work on stuff with people that way. Yeah. I love, I love this stuff. Yeah. Assuming you like the people and they're nice to you. <laughs> well, that's a really great sh- segue in, in starting to wrap up the show. It's, it's been wonderful to talk to you, Scott. We really enjoy having you on the show and, and thank you for all your, your sage wisdom. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I, I did. I went back and listened to the last episode. Uh, it was really good. And then oh, good. I had two long uh, work days in between then and now. And I thought, oh, no, I'm not going to remember what Melissa wanted me to listen to. But I did remember. <laughs> and uh, and I and I saw, by the way, that you were talking about mechanical keyboards in one of your episodes. Oh, and I was like, yeah. oh, I'm excited about that because I have this. Uh, oh, do you want to nerd out on that sometime? Yeah, oh, my... nice. He's shown us his mechanical keyboard. Yeah. I'll have to and get a closer process, look at that sometime. And I'm in the process right now of soldering together a custom cable for it. So. Oh wow! Oh, so you're you're soldering. You're like really getting into it, huh? Are you? Well, are you... that was my my degree was in electronics, so I was actually hardware. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, we should have we should have you on another time because I would like to geek out with you about that. I'm only just yeah. getting started. Like I said, I'm still trying to learn the vo- the vernacular and the vocabulary, mm-hmm. so that when I do want to venture out, if I want to ever build one myself or yeah. I, I personally really thought this would be a fun project for my son and I to do. Now, he is a little bit more on the programming software kind of stuff. Like, he's yeah. more like he's at the keyboard. He he yeah. likes just all the stuff that we've been talking about. Like, he's I'm probably going to have him listen to this episode and he's going to say, well, mom, you could do this. And, you know, it's just it's a great thing to do between parents and kids who are geeky mm-hmm. to, to talk about this kind of stuff. Yeah. But I thought, would that be a really great hobby for a younger kid to do to get into building keyboards because this, this just a cursory research that I've been doing says that this is a hot thing right now. I don't yeah. know how long it'll last, but right now it's like, it's really hot and it's very lucrative is, is what I mean. It's, it is. You can buy some supplies and get yeah, into you it can do builds building for them. People. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get out there and, you know, sell your wares, but it, mm-hmm. there's a demand for it. People really yeah, demand you, this stuff. Yeah. There's uh, I found this guy on YouTube who just does instructional videos and he basically does builds for other people. Mm-hmm, and he mm-hmm. shows what he's doing as he goes through the build. And it's like anything else, you know, it just takes practice and then you get mm-hmm. good at it and it starts looking good. But yeah, this is an example of something that is mechanical, mm-hmm. but it's relatively simple in terms of what you're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. So it's absolutely doable by anybody. And yeah, I I told even, my daughter. Even I'm the soldering part. Yeah. Soldering oh, yeah? does take practice. Otherwise, okay. you will destroy stuff. So buy some I mean, I took tests. a jewelry class in college. I mean, so I have I have actually soldered, but, with, you know, we're talking yeah. jewelry. And you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's probably not, in other words, on scale. Like, I'm, I was, I'm used to working re- with really tiny things, you know, mm-hmm. in a magnifying that's glass, that kind of yeah. stuff. Not big welds or anything like that. So no, that's I perfect. think I could probably transfer some of those skills. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In it. fact, the more, the smaller stuff that you've worked on through the magnifying glass, the better. Because things mm-hmm. like USB-C connectors. Those have tiny, those are small, mm-hmm. and getting your wire soldered to those without destroying the connector takes a little bit of practice. So, yeah, that's perfect. Actually. I've surgically taken apart iPhones and replaced batteries yeah. and yeah, the yeah, process yeah. of it's, right. it's sitting here on my operating table right now, but I'm actually yeah. getting ready to do a home button transfer. So, yeah, I, I'm not afraid. <laughs> yeah. No, the pr- problem with solder is there's heat involved, and, and anytime there's heat involved, if you if you can't get your it's it's hard for when you're first learning to solder to not make a cold solder joint or not to burn something on the mm-hmm. component that you're trying to solder to or the board. People destroy boards by burning them and or they 
rip mm-hmm. traces off boards. But with this, there's, there's gotta no be some real... practice kits out there that you can get. I yeah, imagine. I'm sure there are. Or it's really pretty... cheap to buy a bunch of USB connectors and just practice mm-hmm. on them with wire. Mm-hmm. Just practice soldering wire to the to the connector. I over you know and over what? And over. You just gave me a really good idea because I actually do have some totes out in the garage of stuff that I just like couldn't get rid of yet. And there's all kinds of old cables and stuff. There's probably yeah. all kinds of stuff that I could have the kids take apart. Yeah. And yeah, Scott, does your together. daughter have any geeky inclination? Uh, she used to have more than she does now. She's 13 and I, she just right now she's not as interested in a lot of that stuff. She's still she still is very much into reading and drawing, but she used to be super geeky about this stuff. She was a little bit into learning some of the hardware stuff, but more than that, like, for example, uh, we have Macs, so I never had Java on our Macs because it's a big gaping security hole. Mm-hmm. And so I never, I, she didn't have Minecraft, and she was super little, but she was kind of into the idea of Minecraft. And that was right about the time that uh, Minecraft Pocket Edition was coming out, but it wasn't very good yet. And she taught herself everything about. She knew more about Minecraft than kids that were playing it. She just would yeah. buy books. She would read stuff. She knew My more about too. Minecraft than people that were playing it. She had mm-hmm. this whole world in her mind. And mm-hmm. she, if she's interested in something, she is very geeky about. And I think a lot of kids are this way, right? Like they just mm-hmm. will absorb something wholesale. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, now, it's tough at that teenage age because we're kind of like omitted from that right now. Because yeah. if she's anything like my kids at this age, they're like, oh, mom, just leave me alone. Leave me alone. You know, they just want to be in their corner for a while. She has been spending a lot of time in her room. In fact, on mm-hmm. New Year's Eve, I dragged her downstairs and we watched uh, a Studio Ghibli movie until one thirty <laughs> in the morning. Or something yeah, like I've that. had to drag the kids out. Like, come on. Yeah. you know, My little one, he'll he's 11. He'll he'll go outside. He's happy to play in the dirt. Like he's he's got perpetually dirty fingernails and he's yeah. always got a smudge on his mouth. Yeah, and I just let that go, but which is really, really great. So it's not so much with him, but the older one, yeah, he just digs in and he just, he just stays with it. But then again, that's also where his friends are at. They're all yeah. on discord. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I had to laugh. You were describing a process and I was thinking about it too, as my kids, I mean, you know, 14 and 15, him and his friends, they built scripts in discord, believe it or not. Now this was early on in the pandemic. They actually built these scripts to run on their Discord server that yeah. each day it would give them the the count, the uh-huh. you know, the count for all the, the deaths and the the contagion and that kind of stuff. And and it was really interesting that kids are thinking about that kind of stuff and they're building these scripts so that they have these things to show them. I, I think that was just phenomenal. So it's my, I, I can only imagine what they're doing. I mean, they're doing all kinds of stuff on their their servers, but they do. They build these automations that run. Mm-hmm. So this is just to say that automation is is in our lives, whether we like it or not, and it's here yeah. to stay. And I think it's a really good thing for people to think about it. And I also think that even just like Elisa, like, like what you were saying, you know, how do you, how do you get started with this stuff? Even just if you look at some of the really simple things and get looking into it, and even if you draw yourself like a picture or a mind map or a, you know, just a sketch of like what you want it to, you know, organize what you want it to look like. I think it also helps you understand a little bit better how other things are automated in our lives that are already built and that we're using and we don't even think about it. It's it's time to stop and smell the roses a little bit and you know try to think about some of that stuff and then and then it makes it less scary is what I'm what I'm going after. I, I think it a lot of people get really worked up and think, Oh, it's big brother and like, Yeah, but you know, it's this is how we make things efficient and you're you're already using stuff and you don't even realize it. 
So yeah, and I, I think, think it's super important that kids understand, like everything is becoming more more of a black box than ever before. Like mm-hmm. I love iOS. I do a lot with my iPad Pro. I do a lot of work on it. I don't. I shake my head when people say you can't do work on it. You have to have a Mac. I like both. Why do I have to pick one? Yeah. Um, but it is a black box compared to a computer. Now, mm-hmm. I know a lot of, just looking at my daughter's friends and stuff, they use computers a lot, but they don't really know a lot about computers. Right. So, And a lot of them I, don't care to. Right. They don't want to. They want to use it and get their thing done. That's um, fine. And that's perfectly me. fine. But I just, you know, I've tried to help her understand that the world's not just a black box. Like people with the same type of brain that's in your head created these things. They're understandable. They're knowable. And you can understand them and know them if you want to. You know, that's the most important lesson. There are people who just want to use the black box and they don't want to think about it and they don't want to worry about it. And that is fine. But then there are people who want help with the black box. And then Mm -hmm. those are the people that are going to pay you to do the thinking for them. So are you going to be the thinker or are you going to be the doer? And, you know, how are you how is that going to make you fair in life? Yeah. So I, I do. I try to get my kids to think about that stuff, too. We, we don't want to just teach kids to do. We want to teach them to think. And yeah. Do. Yeah. Why are you doing this? Don't be a button pusher. Mm-hmm. And also, keep um, in mind, just because you are a person of an advanced age like me, uh, doesn't mean that you are too old to do these things. We no, never stop no. learning. That's exactly. You know, especially because in my brain, I'm not a person of an advanced age. <laughs> I'm still no. a 25 year old youngster. So you, you always keep, you're learning. that way in my brain too, Elisa. Yeah. I mean, I, I forget sometimes like, oh yeah, I am. Wow. Older. You're already 25. I didn't know. Yeah, I, that's right. My kids are older than me. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So just because you are a certain age, whether it's 40, 60, 80, whatever it happens to be, we are always learning. And it's also a really good way to keep, you know, brain rot and dementia. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, there's certain things like dementia or Alzheimer's. If you're going to get it, you're going to get it, but you can push it further away. Right, you can save it off. Exactly. I, yeah, that's, that's what I tell. I just told a family member that I said it's exercising the gray matter. It's yeah. use it or lose it. I mean, before I go to <laughs> bed at night, I lay it. in bed and I do I do puzzles. I have crossword puzzle book that has you know silicross mm-hmm. and all the different different types of puzzles, word games and things, and I'll spend half an hour or so working on those, and that's just keeping the brain active. But that's what these shortcuts are like. For me, it's like putting a puzzle together. You know, you might just look at the at the outline pieces. Okay, let's put the edges on. All right, let's look for the sky. And then, you know what I mean? Like put the puzzle together. That's what it's like in trying to, to figure out an automation sequence. Like how am I going to put this puzzle together to give me the completed picture? And so, I think even aside from the sad thing that happens to people who do get different brain disease, I mm-hmm. think or brain deterioration, I think we all know a lot of people who the older they get, the more mentally inflexible they get. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And being a constant learner in life will also help prevent that too. Like well, just, they say it builds neuroplasticity. Yeah. And I think that's keep, a good thing. Yeah. Always force yourself to learn new stuff. Always be interested. Like you're not, people aren't interesting unless they're interested. That's mm-hmm. how you become both interesting to other people and to your own self. The only way to enjoy life is to be interested. Like, I don't, I will admit in my youth, I went through periods of time where I wasted many, many, many years of my life. And now I look back and go, man, I could have been really putting that to good use. But we when all people did. tell me they're bored, I don't understand that. Like, how do you have time to be bored? I would love to have I that much time you. on my hands. Yeah, my days, I would love days to have some fly by. I don't have, I don't <laughs> yeah. work outside the home and I don't have yeah. kids at home anymore. 
and I still don't and have still enough time flies. in the day because yeah. there's so many things I'm trying to get done between, right. you know, like you said, working on the podcast, working on the computer, knitting, reading, you know, catching up on Netflix, doing a whole bunch of things. Mm-hmm. There's just not enough time in the day. But the things that you do have to cram in, you know, a bunch of those should be enjoyable, I think. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> should be completely, yeah. you know, just, I have to do this. Like, I get to do this. Right. And that's the thing I like about shows like Geekiest Show Ever and other shows where you're looking at the fun sides of technology and uh, and and anything else you want to be geeky about is because I remember when personal computers were first a thing and we were all learning them new and we were learning to program, we were playing games. And we were all getting online early on. Technology seemed very optimistic compared to now. And it seemed like it was only going to result in good and it was only going to be fun. And now we see all the downsides of technology. We see everybody getting on Facebook and getting their minds programmed with QAnon theories and all Mm -hmm. this other garbage. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. But it's time to take back. Let's just take it back. Let's just forget about all that and focus on the fun side. And if that's what Mm -hmm. we pass on to other people and that's what we help encourage other people to do, then technology can be fun again. It's just for whatever reason, humans always go to the the boring and banal and Mm -hmm. downsides of things. Because neurons that fire together wire together. That's what my therapist says. (laughs) So let's not do that anymore. Let's 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 let it be fun. Mm -hmm. I love that attitude. Yeah. Scott, thanks so much for joining us today. Yep. If Thank listeners you. want to find out more about you, where should they go? Well, I don't know if they want to, but they can go to scottwilsey.com. And then I'm also on Twitter at scottaw. And probably, uh, I guess the only podcast I'm really doing right now is is Bubble Sort. And I do that with Clay Daly and Vic Hudson, two fine gentlemen. They are the highlight of the show. So if you're going to listen to it, listen to it for them. Mm, yeah. I think Melissa <laughs> and I want you to bring back uh, a size podcast. I don't think I'm going to. I'm, I'm not going to. I, I, I think do have we another... can get at this point. We'll just have, have him come, come yeah. back on. I was so sad when I listened to your final episode. And you said that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I did an audible. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> See, you guys are lucky. I got tired of chasing down co-hosts and I was like, that's yeah. it. I'm done. No, I, I could tell it was getting to be exhausting. And, and Elise and I have been podcasting long enough to know that we, we know what that's like. And. Yeah. yeah, we still do it for some reason. <laughs> it's fun. You guys do it. It is job. fun. Thank you. Well, thank you. We appreciate it because we we are we are having fun with it. We all yeah. we say if this isn't fun, then you know because we're not getting paid for this. It it is. It's a hobby, and this is necessary, especially in this time. There have been times where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired, but I'm like, I have to do this because Elise is the only other adult I get to talk to a lot of times. <laughs> I need adult conversation. The only right. other twenty five year old adult. Yep. Exactly. Right. And, and plus, exactly. you know, it is a good way just to catch up and talk about things that are not podcast yeah. related when the uh, right. when everything is turned off. So, yeah, and not good. COVID related and mm-hmm. not, you know, the world is burning and it's a big dark garbage dumpster fire related. Yeah. So we all know it's there, but we can have fun while we're while we're doing it. OK, so <laughs> Melissa, if listeners want to get in touch with us, how would they do so? We even have a couple of different ways. You can tweet at us. We have a Twitter handle. It's kind of shiny and new yet. So go follow us over on Twitter at Geekiest Show. And then we also have an email for those three people that still use email. And Lisa, what was the email address again? If I remember correctly, it is podcast at com. Well, that's pretty simple. I wonder who thought of that. Hmm. <laughs> Don't know. And of course, you can find us online on our Twitters. I'm at the Mac Mommy online everywhere. And Elisa, you are 
at Sensei Dai. And you can also fill out the contact us form on the website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just so we can see if it's still working. Somebody needs to beta test that. Yeah. So we'd love for you to join the conversation with us on Twitter at Geeky Show. Thank you, Scott, for joining us today. We will have you, you back again in the future talking about something different. Yep. Okay. Sorry, you did too good of a job. <laughs> no, I, I doubt that. You may not have any listeners left after today. Oh, mm, sure I don't know. Maybe be the opposite. I'm sure the three we have will still stay around. Uh-huh. so <laughs> thanks again scott thank thanks you. scott and to the listeners thank you so much for listening we'll see you in a couple of weeks and please stay safe some people like their live casts to be informative to the point provocative and timely the Mac to the Future livecast is some of those things, but we won't say which ones. Join Dave Ginsberg, Guy Searle, and Warren Sklar for a weekly dose of Apple Fun every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time over on Facebook or in the Mac to the Future Facebook group. 